Hey guys, welcome to this classic episode of I Love Green Guide Letters. And we are going today way back to our first birthday show live at what was such, such a good venue for podcasts at Rue Babylon's. It, it squeezed in 50 to a very tight quarters, which made for an amazing atmosphere. Sadly, it got redeveloped uh, shortly after this as I, I felt like I'd found my new podcasting home. But anyway, blockbuster lineup with the human headline, Darren Hinch, and the hard quizzer, Tom Gleason. What a combo. I actually don't remember a thing I said on this episode. I just remember laughing at them. So hopefully I get something in. But if I don't, I could be forgiven when on stage you've got two uh, powerful forces like Darren and Tom. So how these classic episodes work is I do a bit of an intro and I haven't listened to the episode again since back then. And after I record the intro, I will listen along seemingly with you on time delay. And then afterwards, I'll uh, record a, uh, a fair bit of an outro with my further memories of the show and, uh, I don't know, a review or something. I just talk afterwards and hopefully it's interesting. All right? It's what podcasting's about. You talk and you hope it's interesting. Anyway, I don't know whether I talk about this on the show or not. Maybe I did, but I I can't figure how I would have worked it in. But anyway, I had submitted a just a a, just a a web form on Darren Hinch's website uh, requesting that he come on the podcast, and I remember. It would have been within 24 hours of me sending it. He did reply with a bit of interest and I saw the email on my phone, which back then probably would have been a very high-tech use of technology, I'm guessing. Did I get that email on my BlackBerry or my iPhone? I I can't remember, but... Anyway, it was very late night at Cookie in Melbourne and this was in the heyday of me and all my stand-up friends. The end of the show would not be the end of the night and and quite often everyone doing stand-up in Melbourne would uh, work out where everyone was going and uh, hang out into the wee hours, even on a Monday night, which I believe... It was from memory somehow. But I remember being in a booth, checking my email and going, oh my gosh, he replied. He might do it. And I was showing someone, I can't remember who I was with, but I was very excited to show them. But um, after a bit of back and forth thing about the details of the show, Darren was actually apprehensive to do it live but when I said I wouldn't advertise his name beforehand, so it would just be fans of the show and no one there for any other whatever reason, he he seemed um, 
Instant, yeah, actually, he didn't seem. He was instantly like, yes, I will do it. And then I was like, who could I get on to compliment Darren and Gleason, a, a true favourite of mine, and it's it's just so deserved where he's at now in um, the scope of Australian entertainment. He's he's the best. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this. I hope I get one laugh. And, and, and three words in. <laughs> I, I actually picked this one because Darren had been in my mind about his uh, comments about the skateboarding in the Olympics before and after the Olympics. I was quite fascinated with that. And I'll talk about that after um, we listen to the show. So there's a, a light bit of sizzle. There is one thing planned. But now let's get on with this classic episode. Hey, you guys. Welcome to I Love Green Guide Letters, the podcast where we talk about the letters to the ages television radio lift out the green guide. I am Steel Saunders, and I do love green guide letters! Very cool. We're at another sold-out Rue Babylon show. Very exciting. Who would have thought a year ago today I still wouldn't have a juicy breakfast radio contract? (laughs) I want to be complained about in the Green Guide letters. Thank you for coming. It's very exciting. We've had a great year. Complain about some fancy things. Is there anyone here that hasn't listened to the podcast before? You haven't. Oh, come here. You're my first guest. (laughs) What's your name? Ellie. Welcome to the stage, Ellie. We're going to have a lot of new listeners for this episode. Can you explain to them what the podcast is about? (laughs) I believe it to be about uh, reading Green Guide letters and making fun of them. So much more than that. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> are, are, are you're obviously a, a listener and you've, you've... What's your name? Um, my name's Ruben. Hey, Ruben. How are you? I'm good. And is Ellie your girlfriend or... Yes, okay. What a romantic hot date. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually been to see you before. Oh, okay. I just have never listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I admire your taste. <laughs> Uh, where did you see me at? This is going to be... A here. Oh, you saw me here? Yeah. Oh, at the stand-up show that was here. No, no, it was at the last episode of Green Guide Letters. <laughs> so you were here for the last live episode? Uh, apparently. <laughs> where did you see me at before? <laughs> About 20 minutes ago. Okay. With the mystery guest. Oh, okay. Shh. Uh, okay, that doesn't really, in, that doesn't count for much in show business. Uh, but I'll take it. But uh, yeah. So you haven't actually seen me talk into a microphone before? I have, but never listened to the. Okay. Podcast. But where have you seen me talk into a microphone before? Uh, was it Friends? Was it part of the Friends? Yeah, it was all Friends. 
during that buddy show. Here. So you were here at the last live episode. Yes. But. <laughs> I know it seems <laughs> but I've never listened to the podcast. Okay, so you just sat here for like 50 minutes. Like <laughs> the ears plugged. Well, that's not technically listening to the podcast. It's, <laughs> it's being here live once. You must have some really hard arguments at home. <laughs> technically, it's not listening to the podcast. <laughs> Technically, it's not cheating. Um, <laughs> I did bank that argument once. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jerry Springer episodes. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for not listening a second time. No problem. Okay, welcome, and uh, maybe listen to this episode. Ellie! <laughs> got some surprises from another podcaster actually now this one's from Ballarat Rob welcome back Ballarat Rob <laughs> now he uh, of course does the dumb down atheist podcast and he brought us a gift this is Arthur Comer, dedicated Christian and legendary letter writer, which I didn't know about till today. And although I don't agree with Steele on just about everything, you are listening to the I Love Green Guide Letters podcast. Now, Rob is actually organising... <laughs> A live Green Guide Letters podcast from Arthur's retirement home. I've <laughs> got one more little message from Arthur. And still, the word is pronounced something, not something. And kilometre, not kilometre. <laughs> and will somebody please think of the children? He did that in the Green God Letters voice. That was amazing. <laughs> Will someone think of the children? That's How about we bring out our special guests? <laughs> now, we have got returning letter lover, host of The Beer Factor. Welcome one of my favourite stand-up comedians, Tom Gleason. <laughs> And while we're at it, give it up for our second guest, the human headline, Darren Hinch. <laughs> this is Naughty Land. <laughs> This is Naughty Land. Do you need a bit more juice on that one, Darren? Indeed. It's a little bit quiet. 3AW turn this mic off as well, Darren. <laughs> okay, we're fine. All right. Yep. That's good. <laughs> First of all, let's welcome Tom back to the internet. Oh. He's, uh, I'm online! I'm online! <laughs> 
internet at the moment. It feels so good. I'm just in. I'm in a file now. <laughs> I'm probably sitting on a desktop, just waiting to be dragged into trash. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, you. We had to reschedule. We did indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And you. You had a prior commitment. This doesn't sound like it's on. Is it on? Yeah. And it's recording. So. Um. And. <laughs> Sorry, Darren's used to being heard by the whole city. <laughs> 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 Not just these bunch of no hopers. <laughs> He's uh, waiting for a caller. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't cut these guys off either. <laughs> and uh, I, I read your tweet last Saturday and you were uh, you had some important business at the race course. I was a judge on Fashions on the Field. But the last time I was judge on Fashions on the Field, I think I had my fellow judges were Lillian Frank. This is 30 years ago, so Lillian Frank was only 70. <laughs> uh, Zandra Rhodes, the fashion designer. And Ida Buttrose and me, so <laughs> we're back again. Still alive, so that's pretty good. <laughs> God, you're a stayer in the, uh, the girl judging category. That's fantastic. <laughs> this week was a huge news week with Obama. What happened? They crowned a new fashion on the field winner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually watched the election for hours and hours and hours. And then I went and just pervertedly watched about three hours on Wednesday night of Fox and two hours of Fox the next day, and Rupert Murdoch is disgusting. <laughs> how on earth they could keep that, that charade up for hours and hours and hours. It was just wonderful to watch them, though, because they were just crawling in it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, they didn't really enjoy the result. Well, I, th- I don't think they've declared Ohio yet. I think Ohio is yeah. still possibly a Romney state. <laughs> you know what's worse, though, is I watched ABC 24, and they, they called it about five minutes after everyone else. <laughs> And it was really hard. Like, I watched ABC 24, and it's called that because it's on 24 hours a day, except for the minutes that matter <laughs> when you're supposed to call it at the exact right time. But they've they got 24 around the clock. They're talking about all kinds of shit that doesn't matter. And then when they've got to make a call, they don't. After it was called on Fox, right, and they didn't want to call it, they called Ohio. They actually, on ABC 24, they cut to Anthony Green still checking the stats for states that hadn't been... And they still hadn't called it. They were just talking amongst themselves politely. It was hard to watch. If only Tom could get that down to 75 words or less. (laughs) (laughs) Or 140 characters. (laughs) (laughs) The Republicans losing, that was a huge blow for rapists trying to start a family. (laughs) (laughs) And and all those guys lost. Wasn't it fantastic? (laughs) All of those dickheads, they all got done. I mean, it's fantastic. All the years that you've been covering the news, what, what's the, the news item that, that sticks to your... I have the faintest idea. I've been covering news longer than I've all, be, all been alive. <laughs> I've, been covering, I've been covering news for 53 years. Yeah, and there's, so there's nothing, nothing that stuck with you. Uh, yeah. No, actually, if I want to be really serious, was covering the moonshot, watching men go to the moon from Cape Kennedy when I was only in my early 20s, and to actually be there and be closer than from here to that wall, away from Armstrong and and Aldrin and Collins when they actually went to go to the moon. They were, and then a broadcast. It was my first ever live broadcast. And that, was, that stuck with me for, forever. It was brilliant. I just loved being there. And actually, ironically, uh, I then managed to get the only interview with Buzz Aldrin um, a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when Neil Armstrong died. And I managed to get the only Australian interview with Buzz Aldrin. And it was fantastic because we could relate to him from those years before. And I finished the radio program and thought, yeah, that's not a bad show today. I got the only interview with Aldrin, walked out, it was six o'clock, got called into the manager's office and was sacked at five past. (laughs) 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 And I did say, I did say, why? I said, why? And they said, well, we're taking the station in a different direction. (laughs) And I said, we're rating number one, you can only go down. (laughs) (laughs) And then he took me, uh, meeting a couple of days later, he looked at me and he said, Darren, I'm probably not on your Christmas list. You must hate me. (laughs) 
I said, I don't hate you, Shane. You're just a fuckwit. <laughs> <laughs> How good is it not to have the beeps? That is like the... He's just well, a beep. No, we don't. We, we, if you listen to my program, we don't do the beeps. That was part of the problem. Oh. You know? <laughs> Actually, what you can do and say now on radio, if you warn people in advance, say if you've got children in the car, turn off now. You know they're going to keep turning on. You know, the kids are going to turn it up anyway. But if you actually warn people, you can get away with anything. I mean, there's the word language you, you wouldn't want to use, but I've, I've spelled out, I have spelled out the worst words. Uh, if it's been, uh, one was a good case was, um, was Slipper, with Peter Slipper, because uh, my wife said to me, what's all the big deal about Slipper? I mean, what did he actually say that was so offensive? And I thought, well, if you don't know, because the day before I said, I'm not going to tell you what, what Slipper has said. I thought, well, if, if people don't know just how bad this man is, uh, then I'll, I'll spell out and say exactly what he said, and I did. We got no complaints at all, but it dishonoured ram home to people how I thought how wrong it was uh, um, the Julie Gillard right speech, wrong target, because in the end you had every female member of parliament on the Labor side voted to keep Peter Slipper as Speaker, mm. which I said, hey, talk, explain that to your daughters. And of course, two hours later he quit anyway, and uh, mm. it, was, it was pointless. I can explain it to my daughter. I'd say I like a man that talks dirty. that's the thing everyone got upset about Peter Slipper I didn't because seriously the text messages I've sent to my mates I should be fired from everything that I've ever done and what I'm going to (laughs) do yeah but you're not meant to be the person who's a speaker of the house of representatives you're meant to be holding some sort of decorum I might be one day (laughs) I'm only 38 Darren I've got my whole life ahead of me you're you're as as qualified as the last one they put in there Tom, before, when, when you are on the podcast last time, you were about to go host The Beer Factor. Yes. I actually, I, I caught a bit of the grand final. Mm-hmm. and This was, was on Go, by the way. On Go. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what is Go? It's <laughs> is that where you go and you, have, you haven't got any talent and can't get any other shows? <laughs> no, no, that, that's podcasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darren, that's called Channel 7. <laughs> <laughs> you should be so lucky. <laughs> I'm on there at the moment, but no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. There's this called mate, isn't it? I think yeah. there's seven secondary not on mate. third. Don't patronise me. <laughs> I'm on the big network, just like you. Oh, except, good. Except I'm in prime time, not early in the morning when <laughs> no one's watching. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, I did a show, Darren. It was called The Beer Factory, and it was on Go. Go's the second tier channel on Channel 9, where they put young up and comers on there like me. <laughs> <laughs> If they want to give a chance, you know, they don't want to just let me host a show on prime time, in, like in, on Channel 9, and it might be too successful and show up all the other hosts, how <laughs> average they are at reading an auto cue. So what they yeah. do is they put me on go and then I sneak across. See, it hasn't happened good, yet. Good strategy, yeah. good strategy. <laughs> I was watching the grand final and there's people, they're getting interviewed before the show. And like Australians have really taken to reality television speak. And this girl goes, well... My favourite part of this journey, and it's just, <laughs> you've been on one episode. You, you keep talking about yourself. Hold my mic. I'm taking my jacket off. Oh, okay. All right. Uh. <laughs> yes. It's steamy in here. Pod- Thank you. Podcasting at its most exciting. <laughs> and then there was another guy that uh, got interviewed before the show. So they had to ev- invent a beer invention and he's almost started tearing up for me it's not about the money it's about the beer invention <laughs> and, uh, just to confirm for me it was about the money <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't about the journey at all <laughs> the more money and the quicker the journey the happier I was <laughs> 
journey to the bank. That's what the hookers used to say to you. <laughs> oh, there's no need for that. <laughs> they said that too. <laughs> you guys, how about we love some classic Darren Hinch letters? <laughs> okay. We've got a couple. Just before you start, so do you read letters in the Green Guide? Yeah, I read the letters in the Green Guide. Okay. Yeah, I read them, yeah. So you might be familiar with some of these, maybe? Uh, probably. Some, some of the letter writers, probably, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, you got the regulars in there, you know. Here he comes again. Some of you know. Are you familiar with Arthur Coma? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I am now. I, am now. <laughs> I have to say, of all the guests that we've had on, few have offered up the plethora of Green Guide letters <laughs> that Darren has. It was hard to narrow them down. This one's from the 24th of April, 2008. Now, this is a very interesting complaint. And the rules that Darren must adhere to in his joking. <laughs> this one's talking the talk. It was a bit much to hear Neil Mitchell and Darren Hinch knocking and at times mocking the 2020 summit as an indulgent talk fest. <laughs> These three AW armchair theorists make a comfortable living from talking to people. I'm not sure if this name has been altered just to hide their identity, but it's from Kevin Rugg. <laughs> he's the one, yeah. Bo Morris. Uh, he, he's real. Kevin Rugg, Bo Morris, is a real person. Are you familiar with Kevin? Oh, yes. He turned up. At a, uh, we, uh, in the old days, we have lunches sometimes for listeners, and Kevin Rugg turned up and said I'd invited him to sit on the head table. He exists. He, he hates... Um, Hates rugby union, I think, or, or he loves rugby union, hates league or something. I know he, he's a nutter from Bo Morris, yeah, I know Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. I reckon, Darren, you're the only guest who's been on this podcast who has Green Guide letter writers as groupies. <laughs> 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 they follow you around. Yeah, and, that's, and that is sad. <laughs> Very sad. That's quite a standard you have to live to. You're, technically, you're not allowed to shush people in cinemas because they just go, you talk to people for a living. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be right. Well, the 2020 summit. I mean, what a what a wank. I mean, how much didn't we remember it? The 2020 summit. The, the best memory of it was Kevin Rudd showing on the man of the people sitting on the ground having a little box lunch with some <laughs> with uh, with somebody else. Man, I'm really regretting my 2020 summit tattoo now. That is. <laughs> and Kate Blanchett went there. She's a lovely, brilliant actress. But Kate went there like within a day of having a baby, and uh, she was there ready to. Stuck in to save the world. And yeah, no, no, she was something. there, and I think she came up with the idea that theatre needed more funding, which was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real surprise, that one. <laughs> okay, now this one is confusing because it uses the classic letter premise of sarcasm, but then kind of doubles over with sarcasm about the sarcasm, where I, I can't tell really what the point of this letter is. This one's from the 9th of September, 2010. Agree to disagree. Darren Hinch! You little beauty. <laughs> See, it sounds good so far. <laughs> Every time someone has an opposing view to your own, you cut them down. Now that's quality radio. If you don't like it, get used to it. That's life. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Watson, Warren Wood. So I'm not sure if... It, it, it's confusing the point. Is he... He's got it, got it wrong. I don't cut them down. I cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's 
awesome. Like, imagine having that power in real, like, in life. Just be able to just go, nah. <laughs> like, when she's hassling you about these little itty-bitty things. <laughs> Technically, no. <laughs> Next well, girlfriend. Well, well, people be- yeah. well, people don't understand is that uh, you let them on. We don't censor letters at all, uh, callers at all because you want them to come on and uh, put an opposing view. I mean, some of the best radio is, is fruitcakes who, uh, who oppose you. <laughs> and also, usually you cut them off is just because they're being boring. It's usually about entertainment, isn't well, it? More so than opinion. Sometimes, you, you, the only time you cut them off is when they've gone back over the opinion, they've already heard it once, and they're going over the same ground again, and so you say, well, you've had your say. I mean, very few people get on here, because the number of people who call up, very few get on here, so you try and move them along at a reasonable pace. And once somebody's made their point, um, but I'll let them on. I mean, some people are like, Alan Jones will not let bad calls get on. I mean, amazing after all the things he said about Gillard's father, when he finally got back on air... Not one call to criticism. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> That's amazing. All those people. And also, what a lot of people don't think about is when all the people ring in, that's the cream of the crop. So if you ever listen to commercial radio and you think, listen to these no-hopers, they're the ones who have made the grade, and for every one of them, there are nine people who ring in, and when they pick up the phone, they're just like... <laughs> 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 Gillard! <laughs> <laughs> and that's just Neil Mitchell. <laughs> Actually, I think only, I'm told, I, don't know if this is, I often make up statistics, I'm told only about 4% of listeners ever call a radio station. Now, unless you're a prize pig, how many of you have ever called a radio station to, to express an opinion? One, two, three. So, yeah, it's about 4%. Is like saying, yes, I would like a free Coke, an opinion? Or <laughs> no, you become a prize pig. That's what they call it. <laughs> And they're good at it too. They they yeah. don't care which station you know, go Triple M, Fox, Three W, and they can get in there. And uh, people on the phones get used to their voices, and so they can uh, yeah. push them down the bottom of the list. But sometimes, if you ask a question and twenty people get it wrong, suddenly you think, uh, "Prize pig's got it again." Uh. <laughs> we actually had a woman who won a Valentine's Day prize. I think that she got a free wedding reception when I was working for Mix. And on the sec, uh, the day after, she also won a prize on the main prize on Triple M. And she was married to one of the MasterChef contestants. And I was like, oh, okay. I think you're a professional at this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't listen to any of us. <laughs> <laughs> my pet hate actually about giveaways is, or is my giveaways exist, is to get ratings, obviously. You know, you listen and at five o'clock you can win $5,000. But the problem is, my pet hate, is that the vast majority of people don't even try to win. And the time that they're talking about giving away the prize is the most boring part of the show. So the vast majority of the listening audience has to put up with parts of the show that you don't enjoy. <laughs> My show's I'm going to write a letter about <laughs> yeah. it. I, I notice when anything radio-related comes in, Tom, like, really, the tension goes up. That is How many times have you been sacked? Um, <laughs> technically, I haven't been sacked. What happened uh, the last time? Well, what happened at Triple M when I was there, I was doing evenings... And what happened was they promised me the contract was coming and then it never turned up. That's sacking. That's <laughs> yeah. a sacking. Yeah. And, um, and th- what was the other one? Uh, the other one was when I was at Mix and asked for too much money and they didn't want to pay it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sacked 15 times. So 15? You know, yeah, 15. You don't, you don't get used to it. But uh, work out, I've been in business 53 years. Mm. Divide 15 into that. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, yeah. I didn't take into account that you're really it. It's not that bad. (laughs) Steel dreams of being sacked one day. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking do. That would be awesome. Do you have, like, a favourite seat at the doll office? (laughs) Uh, 
I have a favourite seat at the correction centre. <laughs> <laughs> there's one just up the road there. The, uh, just, just, in, just in Carlton, there's a little little uh, Department of Justice correction centre. Memories. Do you have a Do you have a favourite ankle bracelet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was black. It was on the right hand side, and uh, yeah, and I got, I grew very attached to it for five months. <laughs> the weirdest thing was that at one stage, because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere, I wasn't allowed to go out. I could go to the hospital to, to ch- have a check up on my liver transplant, but I couldn't leave. Couldn't my wife lives on a different floor? I couldn't visit her, uh, but I could under with a medical certificate. I could go downstairs and walk around this little courtyard for an hour every day, a bit like Rudolf Hess, the last man in Spandau <laughs> Prison, you know, walking around in, my, in Mark boots and a dressing gown. And one day I was I was 28 seconds late back to the house, and the alarm bells went off for the ankle bracelet, and they called me in and said you're 28 seconds late, and they told me. I said, well, I said, it was a Saturday. I said, I live in an apartment building. I live on a very high floor. There are only two lifts, and on Saturday, people move in and out of the apartment building, so lifts can get very slow on a Saturday. I said, and I was only 28 seconds late. I couldn't go to fucking Paris, could I? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they stopped, that one dropped, dropped off on that. The other one they dropped off on was uh, where they have to, your, your sort of parole officer have to ask you, will you do the crime again? Because <laughs> that's when you say, no, I never will, and, you, and they leave you on parole. If you say, yes, I will, yes, I will rob that bank again, they put you back in the slammer. And I say, will you do it again? And I said, I don't know. I said, well, I, said, I don't know what other stupid laws that somebody may bring in. I may have to break. So they stopped asking me about that too. <laughs> one, one of them was beautiful. She was a, a, a um, parole officer uh, uh, from the Department of Corrections, and she was very earnest about there are other ways you can achieve what you want, Darren, instead of breaking the law. There are other ways. And I said, well, I tried all the other ways. And I said, with respect, which is a word you use in interviews when you don't have any respect for them at all. (laughs) With respect, I said, if a magistrate and a Supreme Court judge and uh, seven judges of the High Court couldn't change my mind, I really doubt that an employee of the Department of Corrections is going to, you know, make me change my mind overnight. With respect, Darren... um What's it like to be like the only celebrity with an ankle bracelet and no rap career? That is. <laughs> <laughs> very good point. Very good point. <laughs> Actually, the magistrate was very clever because he, uh, he, he got me where it hurt because not only was I locked up but at home, but I was, I was banned from using email. I was banned from Twitter. I was allowed to produce. What was it? No, I was allowed to consume but not produce. Okay, so I yep. couldn't answer anything. So people would write insulting tweets about me. I couldn't go back at them even if I wanted to. It was a troll's delight. Are you saying that you could read the green guide but not respond? <laughs> that is exactly Ooh. right. Oh, that's that right. That would have been hard. <laughs> <laughs> Consume and not produce. It's hard for anyone in the media or the sex industry. <laughs> Let's go to this week's letters. We'll start off with a very special one. I have to say Andrew Murphy gave us a, a few golden letters this week for the birthday. What is normal anyway? Oh, and I'll definitely mispronounce a name in this one. <laughs> a special award to Channel 10's Helen Kapalos for... Did I say that right, everyone? Is Kapalos? Yep. What a disappointment. <laughs> um, it's about because she got sacked this afternoon. <laughs> True. Uh, I know. Helen Kapalos was sacked this afternoon. Yeah. She Let's did just have a minute's silence. <laughs> <laughs> she joins a very interesting <laughs> club. She did get sacked this afternoon. This letter was published on Thursday. This is the power of this letter, you guys. 
Hear me out. Hear me out. A special award to Channel 10's Helen Kapalos for Question of the Year to New York reporter Randall Pinkston. 5 p.m. news, October 10th. And when do you expect New York to be back to normal? And that letter came from Arthur Coma. <laughs> Sebastopol. The power of a coma letter. <laughs> Helen Kapalos has been let go by Channel 10 and they've replaced her with nobody. Wouldn't that be devastating? Because <laughs> <laughs> what they've done is they used to have two newsreaders and now they're just going to have one. Because you don't need two people to read the same auto cue. That's why. <laughs> You're actually right. It's, it's weird, it's isn't stupid. It? Yeah, it do, doesn't work anymore. It was done very fashionably about 30 years ago. And the Americans started it. But, you know, and one does half an intro and say, but first, and then the second one jumps in, but first, but second, and uh, it's, it's, it's unnecessary. It doesn't make sense. And also, it's so that you can have banter, but the banter is always very turgid. It's yeah. always. Oh, I'm not touching that one. Oh, oh. oh nice. Enjoy yeah. your weekend quarters. Speaking of newsreaders and uh, getting sacked, this one didn't, but uh, could have. Did anybody see Diane Sawyer on election night drunk as a skunk? Oh. <laughs> she was, I mean, this is the ice queen of television. This is Diane Sawyer married to Mike Nichols. I mean, this is the queen. I mean, she's, she's amazing. And... Uh, mm. And there she was, and she was schnuckered. It was fascinating to watch her. She <laughs> I actually didn't see it, but it was. Uh, it would have been early in the morning, wouldn't it? Was it getting up it to one a.m. Yeah, but yeah, but she must have had dinner about nine and come back on and uh, <laughs> had a couple of wines because they. The, the old thing about I, sa I said on Twitter that she did a Willisy. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been slurry on air? No, I tell you what, I'll be, I, I did. Somebody said, "Oh, be careful, Hinch, you know, people in glass houses." I wrote back, "Hey, I've been pissed more times than most people in this room." I said, "But, but not on television." I mean, the thing would have happened. We discussed it when Willisy was pissed that night and uh, on current affair, and I went on Hinch the next night and said, "I used to tag, tag my editorial with I'm Darren Hinch at the end of every editorial in case I didn't know who I was." Yeah, you know, it's a good trick. And so I came on the next night after Willisy was was schnuckered and said, uh, "I'm Darren Hinch and I'm sober." <laughs> and the funny thing was that Channel 9 put out a press release saying that Willisy was rusty <laughs> and, uh, he was what? Uh, he, he was rusty because he hadn't been on for a long he oh. filling in <laughs> he said rusty and uh, Mike Carlton he wasn't rusty he said he was well oiled yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a bit rusty on stage before some, some might say corroded so uh, <laughs> nobody should ever be even be able to get near a camera when they're drunk no, it's not a good idea. But I've done it many times hungover because that's different. Because well, that's better. Because when you, you don't listen to you. Hey, jump up here. Hey, you're <laughs> rusty and you're nasty. Because when you also, like when you call time, like if you have to turn up for work at 9 a.m., that's, you know, you, 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 ha you, you take it easy in the evening. But when your first appointment is at like at 7.30 p.m., <laughs> <laughs> you can push it sometimes. And I was hungover on Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. <laughs> and that was not a good experience because there's a lot of shit going on on that show. <laughs> And you know when you're hungover, you feel a bit tender and vulnerable and stuff. And I've got dicky yeah. knee flying at me, <laughs> and looking down at Daryl, like half my height. G'day, mate. And it's just, it's a weird thing. And there's yeah. red laughing. It's like, ah! Oh! All I wanted was a really nice breakfast and I was trapped in a bastardised version of my childhood. <laughs> the, the, the worst thing like that is that um, I was interviewed. Malcolm Fraser wouldn't come on my program for, for several years. Nor mine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, he, uh, but he'd go on every other program on 3 He went on the fishing show even without coming on the <laughs> show. So what I did was I got all the fishing show interview and edited it and put new questions to it. 
So when he's talking about <laughs> his fishing and he'd say, uh, they ask him about trout, and he'd say, oh, they jump and jump and jump until they're exhausted, meaning the fish. And I said, is it true your cabinet's f- full of yes men? And he says, they jump and jump and jump until they're exhausted. <laughs> and what are you going to do for the pensioners? Absolutely nothing, you know. So anyway, after about, he banned me then, so I figured the only way to do was, so I banned him. And after about two and a half years, uh, three years, he came on the program eventually. Uh, they were getting a bit worried they might lose. And uh, he came on. But the night before, instead of going on the piss like I usually do after I finish my program, I, had, I didn't go drinking. I didn't go for dinner. I didn't have an, I had an early night. I got up and uh, I wasn't short of sleep. And he walked all over me. <laughs> he, if I'd have been crotchety and grumpy and just snarled back at him, he had, he had his PR man, David Barnett, sitting on the floor, handing up three by five cardboard little bits of cardboard with the answers on them, oh. standing them up to him, you know, in front of him. Uh, and I, I should have just absolutely destroyed him, but I, he walked all over me. <laughs> and that's where shame, shame, shame started, believe it or not, because I didn't ever say it. Vizard said it. I never, ever said it until the Wogboy movie, because I figured, geez, I've been accused of it for 30 years. I might as well now do it. So I did it for Nick Giannopoulos. But I actually said that day about Cambodia. We were still, at Cambodia, Australia was still recognising Pol Pot in the United Nations, even though all the slaughter. And so I argued with... Uh, Fraser about it, and I said, shame Australia, shame. That was as hard as it got, but yeah. after that, Visard, <laughs> shame, shame, shame. So I, was, <laughs> so I was stuck with it. Hinch doing Visard doing Hinch, yeah. that is. <laughs> weird. So you never actually said shame, shame. Never did. Really? No, not until, not until the Wogboy movie when that was in the script, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. So, so, funny, so he made up a catchphrase for you, which wasn't yours, but am I right in thinking that also the humour headline was something, it was levelled at you at, as a Criticism. As an insult, yes, it was. Yeah. It was, um, and the guy who did it was a guy called Terry Hayes, who used to be my producer, was one of the people along with Jackie Weaver who discovered Nicole Kidman as an actress, yeah. and uh, he wrote Dead Calm. It was for her, for her. He wrote Bangkok Hilton for her, and he, he and I parted company. He went off to write movies when he'd been my radio producer, and ironically, we used to Tuesdays we'd sit around at my place on Tuesday nights playing cards, waiting for Molly Meldrum to come because Molly always lost on Tuesdays, and we'd take a few hundred bucks off him. Uh, and I was broken. I was needed. I'm just, Isn't Molly coming? You know, Jesus, we need the money. And, and then Molly would get pissed and lose, and then he'd go off on a Friday night and do a gig and get paid in cash and be back again. But we'd be playing, we'd be playing cards, and there was this guy called George Miller lying on my lounge room floor and stealing my beer out of the fridge, and Terry Hayes. We said, come and play cards. You can make some money out of Molly. I said, no, we're writing a thing called Mad Max Movie. And I'd make, I said, yeah, bullshit. Look at these guys. They're going to be big movie stars. They're going to write a movie called Mad Max. And they did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Hayes uh, was asked by a journalist in Sydney once, uh, something I'd said once, and he said, oh, you know, Hinch, he's the human headline. And that stuck. And so after that, I thought, well, if I'm being accused of it, I might as well grab it. And I actually, tr- on Twitter, which I hated until I joined it, um, <laughs> I, uh, I tried to get Darren Hinch, and I tried to get Hinch, and, I, and they're all taken. You know, so you're at human headline. So I'm now at human headline. Yeah, well, so I'm, gonna, I, I'm like glad I didn't take your approach because if I just use criticism that I got given as my name, I'd be called unfunny asshole. <laughs> <laughs> at unfunny asshole. <laughs> I would be looks like a chubby Ethan Hawke. <laughs> that's, that's, you, you mentioned that human headline, which is a great chance that I can plug my new book, which comes out next week, mm. and it's actually called a human deadline. Because I nearly bad. died. Uh, what time is it? Yeah. And, um, and it's called A Story of Life, Death, Hope and House Arrest. So it sort of covers the <laughs> waterfront from the last 18 months. That's very good. But what a, what a fall from grace to be plugging a book on a podcast. 
You don't understand. With e-books these days, you'll plug a book anywhere. I know, I know, but I thought I was bad for plugging Go on a podcast. <laughs> and you're plugging a book. No one reads. No one reads anymore. You could, you could colour it in. <laughs> they really like the podcast, guys. <laughs> Time for a late scratching. Now the great race is over. May we hope Tom Waterhouse is permanently retired to pasture. <laughs> Peter Rutherford, Barwon Heads. Don't bet on it. <laughs> it is a bit weird, you know. He's Tom Waterhouse. I mean, his brother was a crook, you know. They, he was, his, his uncle was a crook. I mean, he's, he's been involved in the, in the betting business. With the, uh, his family's involved with the fine cotton and all that. Um, his mother's a trainer. It is weird when he's plugging some horse that uh, it's a f- funny family. But then racing at the moment in, in Victoria is one of the most crooked outfits around. Is he a real person? On the ads, he sort of looks he CGI play. Final Fantasy. Like, he doesn't have any features. It's just... He must have a lot of money. Cause every, I love it. With Channel 9 recently uh, had him on, and yet an ad was on for Tom Waterhouse. And he's saying, I'm no expert, but da-da-da-da-da, you know. <laughs> and they flashed the end of the ad, and the Channel 9 said, now we cross to our racing expert... Tom Waterhouse. <laughs> now they do that a lot now with online betting, don't they? Like often during the cricket, they'll they'll check the stats uh, and what the various odds are, and like you know, the idea is obviously wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You should go there and place a bet. But the thing that disturbs me the most about the Tom Water- Waterhouse ads is that they look very expensive. And whenever I see an ad that's very expensive, I always think, oh, I have to pay for that. And then I think, oh, how do they pay for that? Oh, using their profits. Oh, how do they get the profits? Oh, from people losing. Don't think I'll be betting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why Crown has got that one where the guy like walks around the building and it's like one long... It, yeah. it doesn't stop, which is an amazing bit of directing. Which it is. You know, that ad would be really good for Crown if it showed the guy getting out of his car and waltzing through Crown talking about how good it was and then the end of the ad was him getting to the cinema session on time. <laughs> because if you ever tried to see a movie in Crown, like it, it's, like I used to like going there because the cinemas are great, but you never get to the film in time because it's really hard to find because there are no signs telling you where it is. <laughs> and every time you try to get into the film, you end up at the blackjack table and you don't know how you did. What am I doing here again? What am I doing here? That is true. That is the IKEA theory. For yes. gamblers, it is. You get an Ikea, you can't get out until you buy something. So, yeah. Crown, you can't go where you want to go because they're going to keep pushing towards the, the slot machines and the, <laughs> the blackjack tables. They could have a more honest sort of system where, like Ikea, they have lines that you can follow on the ground. They're sort of painted there. It's a casino. The line. No, but you get to the end and there's just a hole in the wall and you just throw your money through there. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other side is just James Pack with his pocket open, just <laughs> lands straight in there. And you're like, thanks, Jamie. And he's like, no worries, mate. <laughs> See you next time. Where's the cinema? <laughs> I got it. Are there cinemas here? I had no idea. I'm surprised about something. I'm, I hope I'm not ambushing you here, but uh, I don't believe this. And I was, I had a letter published in the Green Guide last week. This week. Yeah, we're going to get to it, buddy. Yeah, oh, damn it. <laughs> See, because Darren did radio, you're, you're already like forward selling what's coming up in the show. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Coming up in the program. <laughs> that's not mine. <laughs> no, you never promote somebody else's program. <laughs> In, in your clothes on on the good one. That's just, uh, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I've got many show business tips I can give you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Haven't been fired once. 
<laughs> Haven't been hired once. <laughs> this is so exciting. I can't wait to see what the last letter is. <laughs> I just can't wait. Is it about me still? <laughs> no? No, I was so hoping that someone would write in about the, the beer factor, but nothing. No. It's almost as if it wasn't on air. <laughs> did it go for very long? Uh, yeah, we did uh, five episodes. Yes. I did promote it, though, on this podcast, a breakfast show in Hobart, and Glen Ridge has a show, too. I can't remember the station, though. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. It's the one that used to be... Uh, I think it's the one that used K to be MTR. Rock. You know, used to be MTR. There's, there was a station <laughs> called MTR. Called, yeah, MTR. Before that, it was 3MP. Now it's called something else. It's called, it's called whatever or something. <laughs> No, I don't know. That's smooth. That's smooth. <laughs> and smooth used to be classic rock, which used to be Vega. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's one of the other No Hoper stations. It's called something else. It's not magic, but it's something like that. It's some other polishing a turd type actually, name. What is it? It's actually, uh, MTR, the first time I've used the initials MTR since they started, because I decided I would ignore it. Yeah. We would say, it's not going to exist. It's not going to work. Mm. There's no way it was going to work. And Price went, C. Price went there, and Vizard went there, and it, it rated less than embassy cabs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it didn't deserve to work. Cost cost uh, Singleton about twenty million bucks, but it didn't oh work. Man. And now, because well, he's still under contract, Steve Price is doing eight pm till midnight on two GB in Sydney to work out his contract with Singleton. To think that he could be doing a podcast in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I when when MTR went out, the the ratings were like it was like seven thousand or something at the end. So I'm always just, yep, just a couple thousand off MTR this week. <laughs> I used to listen to MTR because one of my favourite things was when they would try to go to callers and there wouldn't be any. <laughs> <laughs> and just listening to them smooth that out. It'd be like, you know, give us a call. And they'd ask you in eight different ways. You know, where's your... F- tell us when you scratched your knee. You know, your knee. You might have scratched it. Give us a call. They'd say the number. Say it a second yeah. time, a third time, fourth time. Go to the website. Go to Facebook. Go to whatever. Call us! <laughs> Someone! One of my producers uh, worked there briefly and we said, uh, telling some stories saying that if they got a caller, they said say the caller... Can you call back with a different name? (laughs) (laughs) Have the opposing view? (laughs) Pawns in the game. Channel One is quietly advertising House of Lies about every 15 minutes. Andrew Murford writes that it acts like satire, but I think it is a thin disguise for porn on free-to-air TV. (laughs) The promos are littered through every program. I don't like it. I'm thinking of going to pay TV. At least you can control the amount of smut we are being bombarded with. <laughs> Robin Simer Milgrove. Would going to pay TV help the avoidance? I thought, I'd, I'd hope there'd be more smut on pay TV. But the thing I like is it is Green Guide letters. So I like to imagine that they wrote an actual letter, like on paper, and posted it. Because that means they don't have the internet and there's this giant <laughs> area of porn that they just have not known about. <laughs> because for the rest of the world, pretty much I'd say 90%, maybe 99% of people, they're aware that porn is on the internet. So therefore, if you know that, TV, seriously, there could just be two people rooting right in front of your eyes and you'd be like, nah, it still looks tasteful because of, <laughs> because of what's online. But if she's off the grid, I think. Now... This is an issue that's affected us all. (laughs) Staplegate. Now... (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah. Mm. So, for anyone 
not aware, I think we're in the sixth week of complaints <laughs> that the green guide no longer has staples. Yes. So it is. It is being it hard. It just falls apart now. <laughs> <laughs> you go to read; it's all over the shop. <laughs> It's easy to get in your budgie cage, though. <laughs> <laughs> Down the bottom. There's an upside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, back in the, back in the fifties, I didn't like um, the fact that Playboy had staples in it because you <laughs> took the centerfold out and made a huge hole in the middle of the girl. So I didn't. I think they shouldn't have had staples. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if the Green Guide has a pullout of McAuliffe this week or not. <laughs> That'd be sizzling. What's he doing these days? Um, Look at Darren pretending the ABC doesn't exist. (laughs) 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 He's on the ABC. He's on Friday. I'm not sure if he's on now, but it was Friday evenings, mad as hell. He had a news program. You're probably out on a Friday. Maybe Friday evening you'd go out. Nobody watches television on Friday nights. Yeah, that's Mm. true. (laughs) It is. It's the lowest rating night, which is why I was very excited when I got when they told me that the beer factor was going to be on go and they said, we've got great news, we don't want anyone to miss it. I said, when's it going to be on? They said, 10.30pm on a Saturday night. <laughs> I well, obviously, all beer drinkers will be home. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, wouldn't be out on the piss, would they? Not a beer drinker. <laughs> yeah, so all the people at home were just sober people who were getting ready for church the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the ABC quite a lot. I actually watched the first episode of Randling. Oh, yeah. I bet the ABC, how many... F- fucking episodes did we record of this? Yeah. <laughs> they recorded like 20, didn't they, when they realised the first one was a dog. Yeah. They had to run them all. Yeah, they recorded them all before they went to air. I'm not sure how many episodes there are. 30 least, I know there's at least 20. But they recorded all of them before they went to air, which I, I admire. Because <laughs> it's... Uh, no, no, it's good because it's just like saying, you know what, feedback, go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 Try to get to me, Green Guide Letters. <laughs> <laughs> We're a pre-recorded motherfucker. <laughs> That's the truth. You know what would be really exciting is if you saw a Green Guide letter where they said, I think they've been taking on my feedback. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was all recorded in 1978. <laughs> Colour me green. Forget about the lack of staples in the Green Guide. What about the green no longer reaching the edges of the pages? <laughs> they've got a very good point there. Darren. We have one rule. You haven't finished. What's the one rule? Don't talk over the letters. When he paused, I thought the letter was over. It was a very boring <laughs> letter. I thought he'd finished. How do you cut off people again? <laughs> Just talk over them. <laughs> talk them down. Forget about... <laughs> Each week I have to fill in the white margins. <laughs> With a green highlighter! <laughs> and some pages don't have any green at all! John Corbett, Windsor. <laughs> a great letter. Well, well John, John of Windsor is going to be very disappointed because it won't be very long before the Green Guide, I hate to tell you this, change the name of the show, will not be green. It'll be white because they... Uh, it's very green paper is more expensive than white paper, and the agents say, "Why are we doing this?" And I remember this because when I was editor of a newspaper back in the seventies in Sydney, I decided I want to put a shopping guide in, and we said, "I want to put a, we call it the green guide." It was, it was a shopping guide of specials and things and, uh, for for consumers, and they had to get the green paper from Sweden or somewhere. And they tell me how expensive it was. But see, I was a, supposedly a white, a bright-eyed boy uh, editor. They 
gave me my head and let me do it. Green paper is more expensive than plain paper, and so I bet you the green guy will not be green this time next year if the age still exists. Prediction. That's, that is depressing because paper comes from trees and trees are green in the fucking first place. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's going to be all white just for like one e- special issue where it's just like dedicated to nine reality shows. <laughs> Well, that's a possibility too. <laughs> now that well, what is is that sarcasm or a nutbag with a stamp? That is. Oh, it's hard to say. That's like uh, usually you'd go for the nutbag, but I think somebody's having them on. Yeah, I think they have it. Yeah, because you because if you wrote that and it got in, you'd just be so pumped, you'd be so excited. <laughs> you'd like imagine if they print this. This is great. But there's an art to it because when you write a letter like that, it has to sound plausible. You know, I think that that's a that's a skill to do that. He's using like forty dollars of highlighters every week, <laughs> all stitched up. This is this is very ye oldie. This is great. This is another solution. All stitched up. Re, no more staples in the green guide. My wife goes to the sewing machine, opens the green guide at the center, <laughs> and sews down the crease. <laughs> Perfect. That's from Neville Robinson Baronia. And the sad thing is, that's a real letter. <laughs> I'm sure she does. <laughs> yeah, that I reckon that's real. That's yeah. <laughs> because there is, like, I'm not thinking what a nutter. I am kind of thinking that would work. <laughs> and some of you did, didn't you? You thought, that would work a treat. <laughs> and it would be easier to do, too, because it would be like regular sewing. Going through paper, would be rather f- you'd be rather fast. Mm. And if you're a regular sewer, your machine, your Husqvarna's right there ready to go, or you <laughs> s- whatever, you just pop it straight through. I'd like to think that Neville's got a little green guide binding sweatshop going. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't, that, oh, wouldn't that be a thrill if you went to the to news agent, you bought your age, and just in amongst there, one of them was just bound <laughs> with thread. <laughs> one of them had cotton through the middle of it, and you thought, oh, they've been here. <laughs> and then the next one's got all highlighter marks around the car. <laughs> that would be a great promo for the age to do, actually. It'd be like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory type situation. <laughs> If you find the thread or the coloured in edges of the green guide, <laughs> you get to go to an asylum <laughs> with the people who did it. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're on to our final letter. Is it about me? <laughs> no? Okay. The, the, the thing I like about this the most is, the, like on Facebook and Twitter on Thursday, because a lot of people that, that listen to the podcast, they'll check out the letters come out in advance try to work out oh. which one's going to get read about and stuff yeah. and there was I got so many tweets and, and like Facebooks of like Darren Hinch wrote a letter today like how good's that you don't know how good that is <laughs> <laughs> hey just rate a minute which is a fucking good headline that is good <laughs> Andrew outdid himself there <laughs> <laughs> You're too excited. No, no, I feel weird doing... It's, it's, I know what his voice sounds like. <laughs> Would you like to read this one, Darren? Before the show, you got me by the neck and said, if you don't fucking let me read out that letter. <laughs> Not true. Okay. Hey, just read a minute. For the record... High pitch, thanks. No, I don't do happen. <laughs> for the record, you would think Hope, a person analysing radio ratings for the Green Guide, which is November the 1st, which is the last week, would at least know how to accurately read the stats. Andrew Murphy claims, and I quote, 
The ultra-competitive drive slot was a slight blemish for 3AW. Wrong. In the 4pm to 6pm slot where we compete, Fox went up to 14.4% and AW went up to 14.3%. Some blemish. May I immodestly say, the only blemish is that I'm reluctantly leaving the station at the end of the month. Darren Inch, 3AW Melbourne. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know when I sent that off, when I wrote it, went to send it off to the, the editor of the Green Guide and to the editor of the Age. And interestingly, they, they actually printed it in the Age on the Friday and then the Green Guide the following Thursday. I didn't realise that the man I was attacking, Andrew Murphy, was actually the editor of the paper that I was <laughs> saying he was a dickhead because he couldn't read statistics. And he oh. couldn't. But also, 3 aw Hey, hey Andrew, how are you? <laughs> 3AW is owned by Fairfax, as is the Green Guide, and he's the editor that you're getting. What, a, what an amazing man. He's just like, he just loves critique. <laughs> <laughs> now I reckon he's like in the bedroom, he likes being beaten up. I reckon he, <laughs> he loves abuse, clearly. With all due respect, <laughs> you read it fucking wrong, okay? <laughs> For the record! <laughs> You would think, hope, a person analysing radio radicals for the Green Guide, Green Guide November 1st, would at least know how to accurately read the stats. Andrew Murphy claims the ultra-competitive drive slot was a slight blemish for 3AW. Wrong! <laughs> In the 4pm to 6pm slot where we compete, Fox went up 14.4% and AW up to 14.3%. Some blemish! <laughs> May I immodestly say the only blemish is that I'm reluctantly leaving the station at the end of the month. Shame, shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> Darren Inch, 3AW Melbourne! <laughs> First of all, Darren. Yes. Not one mention of Staples. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this is very controversial. Didn't that... And, and, and when I read it out, it was very apt because I almost passed out. <laughs> didn't that letter seem a little bit long? <laughs> 75 words or less? I didn't even consider 75 words. It's my letter. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> 86 words that clocked in at. Oh, hang on. Does at the human headline, have you got like one of those Twitter extender accounts where you've got really long <laughs> tweets as well? No, no, not at all. I, I, have, two t- I have two Twitter rules. I, I, I don't like people who, have, who go over 140 and put number two, number three, number four. A Shane Warne wrote like a 13 thing once and I don't give a damn what he has for breakfast. And I also, I wish he and, uh, what's her name, Hurley, I wish they'd... They can direct, if you have to do it on Twitter, do it directly. Do you have to do all that, that, that marshmallow muck on the... <laughs> no, on well that's, the that's just a front. That's oh. what they do on the outside, but in the DM message. It, DM <laughs> behind scenes, no, it's some no, nothing, nothing happened at all shit there. going on back there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that one. And, and also I think it's, I tipped tip Tony Tardy over this once. You don't beg. When you're getting up to a certain number, you don't say, I've got 997, I need three more followers to hit 1,000. Or I've got 400,998, I need two more. That is not Twitter protocol. That is bad. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to be that particular about the figures, would you? And <laughs> <laughs> Write a letter to <laughs> Thank our guests. <laughs> the amazing Tom Gleeson. Thank you. And the human headline, Darren Hinch. 
was great fun. Thank you. If, if you got anything coming up that you'd like to plug, Mr. Gleason? Uh, what do I have? Oh, yeah, you I'm can plug my book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a book that came out in 2008, and I think there's one left on Amazon. What else have I got? I'm doing the Adelaide Fringe next year uh, in February, so maybe you could go to that. <laughs> <laughs> what going to, between now and then, I'm just going to be thinking what I'm going to do <laughs> when I get there. <laughs> what a timeless plug. That's great. <laughs> And Darren, you've—I think you've you've got a publication coming up soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'll finish up on three AW on November the thirtieth, then take some time off and go. Start. What am my Channel Seven has called me their national public affairs commentator. Now we've got to work out how they're going to use me. (laughs) That'll come later. You get the job, and then they work it out for next year. I mean, look, it's great. I've been—I never dreamed I'd go back into television. I mean, it's twenty-five years since I left full-time television, and to go back in to, at, at sixty-eight years of age to be offered a job back on television is fantastic, and I'm—I'm uh, I'm loving it. And just, I think three AW has done me a great favour. So, and the main thing is, as I walked out the door after they sacked me, I—I I suddenly put it all into perspective because I said, "Hey guys, this time last year, I wasn't even meant to be alive now for you to sack me." And to put it all in perspective, I really couldn't give a shit. I'm happy. And you also had about 23 OW polos up your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> How bad would have that been if at that point they said, ah, sorry, I've got to mention that 3AW owns your liver. Can we have it back? <laughs> We're so sorry. That was in the contract. Yeah. You should have read it. The, the funny is, I'll give you one quick liver story, which is when I called my sister and told her that, because uh, I suddenly real- discovered that my liver donor looked like Benji Veneman was a drug user and a drug dealer and covered in tats and, and, and a skinhead and a, a bikey associate who might have given me AIDS. When I told my sister, phoned her in New Zealand and said, told all the details, she said, God, that's typical. She said, Why couldn't it have been a 50-year-old accountant who played lawn bowls? <laughs> Even your liver's controversial. <laughs> <laughs> that's a liver that names names. <laughs> Well, the, the, an age cartoonist did have a cartoon very similar to that, showed a liver being rushed through a, a hospital waiting room, and somebody said, what's that? And they said, that's Hinch's liver. She said, it's very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for coming and supporting the podcast over the last year. It has been so much fun. Thank you to all the, the letter lovers, the hilarious letter lovers that came on and helped out. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to you guys for spreading the word. Thanks to Andrew Murphy at The Age. Thanks to my hot door girl, Jackie, that has to put up with comedians hanging out at her house every weekend. I am Steel Saunders, and I do love Green Guide Letters! Thanks so much. Uh, there's T-shirts at the door. I'll be having a drink downstairs, so hopefully see you then. Thanks so much. Alrighty, we are done. Podcast listened to. I do have to say that I'm not sure how it is for you, but for me listening back to these shows, it's moments of sheer joy and that dazzled, speckled around sheer um, terror. I, I don't know what the other word is. The opposite of joy, unjoy. Joyless. It's uh, it's a hard thing to listen back to. Some so like like it was like fun, but then other parts I was like, oh, you're laughing too loud into the, the the microphone. Just chill. Hopefully, 
my my live podcast chops have have sharpened a uh, a little bit since then. Although <clears throat> it was uh, it was a very good time. It was a very good time. You are your biggest critic, or that's like a really nice thing to tell yourself because in the end you're not that hard. You are kind. You you're not that bad. Come on. Anyway. Had a good time listening back to it. I um, the audience chats at the start. I I always for a live podcast just look forward to so much because the podcast audience was just so warm, and because they listen to you each week with your nuances in your personality, things that annoy you, things that happen in your life that are amusing. Um, they're so warm and, and so in tune with like, you know, your point of view and, and your foibles. It was just such a treat to, to muck around in, in, in that environment. Definitely, I, I, I hope in the later live episodes, it's a lot more sort of flowing and I, I, I get to milk a bit more out of it. That is my memory of uh, how things developed anyway. I, I, I enjoyed that because I had no memory of what like that whole uh, exchange was going to be at the top. But, you know, it's it, a, a guy desperate for attention tries to get some from the one person in the room that has never given it to him. Like, that's comedy awaits at uh, such a scenario. Just coming out and chatting before. If I, I, There's a couple of the like the last live episodes because I recorded so many at the last comedy festival I was at, I was just exhausted. Like I did in five days, did like, I don't know, like nine podcasts something, live ones. I, I remember for the one, which is quite a good one to go listen to with, um, I think it was Will, uh, Dempsey and uh, McGregor, Luke McGregor, that there was pretty much no, dis- no nothing up top. It was just like, let's just bring out the guests. Because I was just spent. Normally, I, I just adored it. Especially when it was a place like Rue Babylon's where it was like at capacity. Like a, a comedy room's always going to be pretty good when it's at capacity, no matter what the size. Especially when the audience like wants to be there for this thing they are actually seeing. But because of that, like I, I really trusted the audience in a way that I'd never often trusted a regular stand-up crowd. Um, you know, like a, a, a lo-fi, low open mic gig, you can sort of, you don't even need that trust because it doesn't matter. So it either, it either goes well or it doesn't. And I used to love um, just sort of going to a, a late night gig on a Thursday night, having a few drinks and then, and, and just sort of freestyling as it were, man, that they, they were fun, really, really fun times. The only like room where it was constantly like that. And there was some great little rooms around Australia where I was instantly like in sync with the audience, but the, the public bar gigs I used to run in North Melbourne that were were they on Saturday afternoons sometimes? Sometimes they're on Sunday afternoons and I think Wednesday nights. You know, that fitted like 100 people packed and we sold it out all the time. 
And it was just, it was like such a podcast audience because um, we advertised it heavily through the podcast. And oh man, like, like, like Brad Oaks, who was, uh, a, you know, like a, a veteran comic when I started. And I, I, I got to get him on for a new episode because he, he's someone that, um, I feel like when he first met me, didn't like think that much about me because <laughs> I was, you know, just a little smart ass, you know, comedian trying to get what was mine as it were, but we, we grew to become great friends and, and he, you know, he's done just, you know, every room in Australia for who knows how many decades essentially. And yeah, he said that was one of his favorite rooms of all time. And I, I took that as such a, like a deep compliment that, I was able to give, like, a veteran, just legend comic, like, a good experience. Like, that's, um, that's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. Um, what else was in there? Oh, the audio message from Arthur Coma, which I'm guessing was the first time Arthur Coma ever actually, um, voiced. His voice was heard on the podcast. I think he, he did a few recordings for some live episodes down the track and stuff. But um, that was rad. And I'd totally forgotten that there was a bit where he said, will someone please think of the children? And so I'm here just in tears uh, laughing at how rad that was. And uh, yeah. And then bring out the guests. We, you know, I said at the start, uh, Darren was a, uh, a mystery guest. So was Tom. And I always love bringing out mystery guests, whether it's like live on stage for a stand-up gig I'm running or on the Steel Wars podcast or on this podcast, um, that the audience is like, yes, that that is a best case scenario. So um, that was pretty sick. And Gleason just, just straight in when Hinch's mic wasn't up loud enough, just killing before he's even sat down. It's so rad. Um... Oh, oh, oh. I, I took a few notes. There was an... Darren said he was with Ida Buttrose the week before and, and little did we know the impact she would later have on uh, on the podcast and my life. Ah, oh, speaking of things that I, I didn't know would have a greater impact in my life later on and, like, obviously Obama had just been voted in and uh, Hinch was going on about Fox News and, you know, Rupert Murdoch and, oh, man. I, yeah, I, little did I know how much that, those issues would um, affect my life later on. Wow. And just, you know, issues like abortion rights that were, you know, getting discussed so long ago back then and, oh, it's just... um yeah, why do these things still have to be in the news? My gosh. What else? Just hearing Darren... I, I used to listen to Darren every afternoon because I, I just like the interplay and, and hearing different people's views and, and where um, Darren would stand on certain issues. You know, you, you'd agree with him sometimes, disagree with him other times, um, which is, I, I feel like, something that doesn't generally happens. You either like to listen to people that you totally agree with or yeah, it, it's a lot more polarized now, obviously. And I, you know, I'm not speaking for everyone, of course, man, it's definitely swung 
that way. Oh, yeah, it's in small, bizarre small world news, one of the people that, you know how I said how Darren would, um, you know, it was once I said that he wouldn't be advertised, he, he said he'd do it. Um, and then there's a, a letter in the classic Green Guy letters from one of the people that um, would just turn up to events Darren was at. So um, that explains that. And in other, maybe a bit more humorous for everyone else, um, things don't change the more they stay the same. Uh, when Gleason said, oh, Steel dreams of being fired one day, I'm listening to it here and I'm thinking, oh, I, I fucking do. And then the podcast me in the past says, I fucking do. That's uh, stellar. Is that sad or funny? <laughs> what else? Oh, Helen Capolis is, uh, that was a letter from Arthur that he talked about in the um, prior classic episode I put up a few weeks ago with, um, he wrote a letter about Helen Capolos and then a day later she was fired. So a lot of, like with Darren getting a letter in the Green Guide that week, we've got Arthur Comeron, like Andrew Murphy was, was just picking those letters perfectly. But it was such a, at the time, boiling pot, a melting pot of... Um, of fresh and controversial ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would listen to Hinch all the time. And even when I listen back now, to hear Hinch talk in his Hinch cadence about stuff, when he'd, he'd sort of like have... He, he would sort of like dig out 45 seconds of the podcast to himself for like every once in a while where he'd just go on a monologue. Which, to hear him do that in his cadence, I was... Like that guy had sort of, you know, been in the media all my life. And I remember having like his Hinch, whatever the Hinch show was called. Was this called Hinch on television and all that? So that was quite, um, quite surreal. But I, I do recall that in him dealing with the, 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 like the listeners of the podcast and the people helping me out with, you know, organizing the day and stuff, he, he was an absolute gentleman. I, I remember he sort of everyone he was introduced to, he remembered their names, which I found staggering. I, I very much was like, oh, what an amazing um, ability you have. But well, I remember him being just so polite about, um, you know, when we'd get him like a drink or would, you know, have somewhere for him to put like his staff and all that sort of stuff. So um, a class act. Now, Tom Waterhouse, I had totally forgotten about Tom Waterhouse, the um, who at the time was doing a, a huge push for online gambling or phone gambling. I think it was online gambling. But, um, oh, my stars. And then I Googled him and he's, he's, again, his CGI face is there. And a few of the last news items for Tom Waterhouse on my Google search, I quickly did a search, The Australian a week ago, Oh, God. Tom Waterhouse hits the jackpot with punt on gambling shares. Oh. Um, Yahoo Sports Australia, December 26, 2020. Tom Waterhouse ridiculed over bizarre Christmas tweets. I reckon finding out about what that is could ruin how good a headline that is. Daily Mail, January 30th, 2021. Racing royalty Tom Waterhouse will face court charge with offering incentives to gamblers. So um, what an up and down life for colourful racing identity. (laughs) Tom 
Waterhouse. Wow, what a um, what a blast from the past. Oh, and of course, man, they were on a good roll for letters. If you build it, they will come with this podcast, honestly, because by the first birthday, we had Staplegate. What a time to be alive and podcasting. And I think on the show I said it was the sixth week of Staplegate. And then how they made the the pages, like it wasn't green to the edge. And that person wrote in about colouring in the edges green. There's nothing left to be done there. That's just... That, that's like you can't add to the comedy of that. It's it's just um, perfect. And then after this, we um, played this at the start of the. I remember we played this at the, at the live podcast. This remix. It'll be after this um, this talking section. But Marcus Newman, a, a, a great friend, who's he must have such a good archive of comedy performers that went on to become. Marvel superheroes, among other things, because he took so many photos at gigs from back in the day. But he, it will, we played it at the start of the live podcast before I brought out the guests. So you'll be able to hear the audience laughing at it. But in the edit, it's at the end in the secret section. So it will be after this. But he made this sort of, um, uh, what is it called? Auto tune remix of the first uh, year of podcast that. Oh, it brought back great memories. And and also just the memories of um, when listeners would do, like they would add their creative spin on what you'd done to make something that was um, entertaining back to me. And to think that someone had sort of sat at home, edited all these bits and then made this like pretty brilliant auto-tune. Like I get all the in-jokes that are in it. So it, it like it's going to appeal to me the most. But um, it is so good. So keep listening for that. But just in the clips from that first year, Andy Kindler, like one of just my all-time favourite comedians. I think it was in the first maybe 15 shows live at the Comedy Festival with me and Bart. The, the, the opening of the, the Andrew Murphy will Anderson feud, which was spectacular. I think it, they ended up doing a podcast together. I'm pretty sure. But when I say feud, it was, um, you know, <laughs> they they were talking together very civilly. I think Andrew was in the audience for a podcast that Will was guesting on, which um, would have probably been the second time I ever met Will. But um, I'm sure we'll get to that in the classic episodes. Tim and Eric, I don't know if I could do a classic episode about that one because... Oh my God, that was just such a um, lot of anxiety <laughs> doing that one. They, I don't know if it was knowingly or unknowingly tortured me. Very nervous and they were, um, they were on their own. They were doing their own show and I could just um, sort of chase them. Todd Glass, oh man, so good. Uh, and then just like local squad that I haven't, like Schuster talking about his compliment mackerel. Uh, it will make sense when you listen to the remix. But um, yeah, it is um, being sort of locked down in LA on the other side of the planet for for two years almost, or not a year and a half, I guess, since March um, 2020. Haven't been able to um, 
come home. Yeah, it's really sweet to hear um, all the little clips and and just um, smile at the thought of your friends, the good times that we've had. So, uh, yeah. I know people back in Australia doing it pretty tough. So just hang in there. Hang in there. You are not built to uh, handle this. So you're handling it really well because you you haven't been um, conditioned to deal with it. So, yeah, I hope um, coming back and, and reliving some of this fun has um, filled your day with some with some vintage laughs. I'm trying to get a new episode up this week. I'm sweating on it, okay? Appreciate your patience. And of course, every old episode is up now, or it has been for a long time, at uh, Patreon, I Love GG Letters. And there's a link for that in the show notes of the podcast, three bucks for the month. Uh, to support the podcast and, and 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 rally up continued production, you get to go back and listen to two hundred and something 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 episodes of um, our little fun podcast. So yeah, hang out for the secret section because um, that remix is um, it's pretty sweet. Oh, I um, I sizzled this before the episode. Uh, Darren's change of heart about skateboarding. He, he tweeted during the Olympics, uh, confession time, when they announced skateboarding as an Olympic sport, I thought BS. I should say it like Darren. When they announced skateboarding as an Olympic sport, I thought BS. I don't know if that's Darren. It sounds more like Steve Izard doing Darren Hinch. Or not even anything, but in my head. Anyway, he then says, uh, but we saw they are skilled athletes and then has a little dig at another sport, which I love. In brackets, more than walkers. It should be permanent, which I believe it is going to be permanent. So yeah, I thought that was that was cool. That um, a very famous judgmental person being famous for their judgments changed their judgment about skateboarding after seeing it in the Olympics. And that makes me very happy because that's good for skateboarding, which is a, a sport or a lifestyle that, that I love and, and have all my life. And on the last new episode with Alice Frazier and Dave Quirk, um, me and Dave sort of debated the, well, not debated, discussed the pros and cons of skateboarding in the Olympics but um, we both love skateboarding and know what a positive influence it can be on so many people from so many diverse backgrounds. You just need a, a board and some concrete of any description and you're off. You can do your own thing, which is kind of like podcasting. You got a microphone and a mouth, and you're off doing your own thing. And uh, that can be a, a positive thing for many people as well. I hope, to segue, that the past, I think this might be hour and a half, has been positive for you, you guys. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Maybe before. It's pretty cool. This is a bit of a, uh, a hip-hop recap.
of uh, what went down in the past year. This is Marcus Newman, and he has a podcast called Comedia Del Podcast, uh, where they interview comedians and stuff, and I've been in that. So if you're looking for another podcast, have a listen to that. But he also runs a comedy room down in uh, at the George Lane Bar on Thursday nights called Comedia Del Parte. And he made a bit of a, a is it, he calls it the, I Love Green Guide Letters Year One Mix, the remix. And he's actually getting married today. This is how much of a great dude he is. He texted me last night at about one o'clock, good luck with the show. (laughs) I don't think that's the thing he should be worrying about. (laughs) But anyway, this is uh, a bit of a recap from... uh, every episode up until the last live episode I loved it this was very very special hey you guys welcome back to I Love Green Guide Letters the podcast where we talk about the less I Love Green Guide Letters the podcast where we talk about the ages I Love Green Guide Letters television and radio lift out the Green Guide I am Steel Saunders and I do love Green Guide Letters Mr. Luke McGregor thank you (laughs) good to be here Steel thanks for having me and um Sorry, I was I was late. Sorry, sorry, I was I was late to the podcast to, to your house. Um, I thought it was a like a I don't know tips on keeping your house environmentally friendly. <laughs> like, How old are you, McGregor? Twenty nine. How is it in twenty nine years? Are you Victorian? No, Tasmanian. Who the hell reads physical paper newspapers anymore? I'm not just being. Like a, you know, I'm not trying to be silly, but really, would you, you actually read newspapers? Like, nah. nah, there you go. Online, no I'll read it online. Right, that, that's what I'm talking about. So I just assumed the green guy would be available online. Can I rape on this? <laughs> well, I don't. Uh, well, I don't touch small-minded people on the G-spot. Well, you've come to the right place. Huh? I think you, just, you set yourself up for a very hard task. I am recording a podcast about people's letters. So, okay. Um, yep. I'm not afraid of the hard time. This season will be too short. Next season will be too long. And then the third season will be just right. right. Oh. <laughs> it's Tommy Dasselow. Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like getting into this poor bloke <laughs> who's now sitting at home with a single tear dripping down his cheek, scribbling his manifesto that has your name in it. <laughs> me, me and Tommy are laughing and falls <laughs> <laughs> about the neck. <laughs> it's gold, guys. Get on board. I'm wearing a... A sparkly gold jacket. Nick Cody, three stars. And our other guest, a, a newcomer to the uh, Green Guide Letters, a great comedian and a great friend of mine, Tegan hey. Marie Higginbotham. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're just discussing my last name and you got it spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Having a rad day. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Gnarly pants. Hey there, dude. Hello. Need a bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> And, and man, I said to him, "Hi, man, how you going?" And he just looks at the shoe for a second without saying anything back to me. He, this is all he said. He goes, "Can I try these in a ten and a 12? Bring the hustle, hello. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you, mate. <laughs> you, you, you ran to the bathroom, shaved, and then stuck your yeah. head between his legs and go, "Oh, Lawrence, hey. bring a bell, <laughs> old nut chest, Mooney." <laughs> Mate. You are fucking toadfish, mate. If you want to stick with it for 30 years, then fucking be toadfish. You absolute fucking swine. <laughs> I would kick you to death in the street with a fucking angry mob. A man that has never seen Star Wars, Mr. Josh Earl. How are we doing, Josh? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a bit shocked. What is that movie? I'm just looking up here what that classic mobster movie is. Godfather? No, next one. Goodfellas? Goodfellas. Yes. I only watched that. Uh, hang on. What are they, uh, an organised 
crime barbershop quartet. Hello, we're the good fellows. Sounds like a funny joke, so I'm going to laugh. I don't have to understand technically what it is. I think that's how the majority of people laugh at my stuff. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what up, bro? Happy Green Guy Podcast. Thank you. Right back from episode one. Ready for more environmental tips? No, although it is a great sexual position. It gives you very dense, waxy jizz. <laughs> I'm out of order. You're out of order. This whole green guy's out of order. Man, you're a far better person than me. I live in the down, down, price of the down one. Yeah. How much money? Two and a half grand. Bang. How <laughs> is that? Yeah. Australian television is not only racist. <laughs> okay, that voice is ridiculous. That's, that's, and I've listened, I was prepared. But it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's startling. My mother's not a fucking potato. Hey, hey, with the potty mouth. Aboriginal, abba not so original. Do you say retweet? Yeah. I just, uh, I have my own social networking uh, site, MySpage. MySpage. (laughs) The worst review I ever got uh, was during the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And that. Uh, review was written by none other than the editor of The Green God, Andrew Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has gotten interesting. Rain down in Africa. Are you sending in letters yourself to prolong? No, <laughs> no, you can't. You, there's, we have a thing called the Green Guide Prime Directive, much like on Star Trek The Next Generation, oh, right, right. where we observe the letters. I had a ham and cheese sandwich, didn't like it. <laughs> He was a great man. A loved man. <laughs> Rhonda of Berwick. Return letter lover, Ronnie Chang. How are what, you? What up, bro? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Because apparently, I heard later, he actually was on fucking acid during that interview. He was. He was on acid. He had some on the way to the interview. I get a quarter pounder with cheese once every four years and get really angry that it wasn't like the last one. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. I reckon you, I reckon you and Enya would hate each other. Enya? Yeah. I find it. <laughs> That's a good enough reason to hate her, I suppose, but uh, quite, I, I find her music soothing. I like Enya, her. Yeah. If you're listening. It was blocked by people and ideas, which are more powerful than poo. I was actually fishing for compliments, and, and I pulled up a mackerel. Is Brad's only way to listen to a podcast is to actually be a guest on one. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to one now. <laughs> this is bullshit, and I hate Woolworths pork belly. Just get Favola over there to bang her, you know, doing Lara Bengal. Huh? Yeah, sorry, I didn't know this was about to call the office number. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in here doing this thing, and... Uh, it's an international <laughs> podcast, too, so... <laughs> is there any way you can... Call back in a minute or two and figure it out. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I was trying to be nice. And then a 16-year-old kid sitting there, there, is that the way I talk now? Uh, just, you know, out of the mouth of someone that doesn't have to edit themselves. He goes, uh, and I would also add to that the ball sweat. <laughs> Pretty good for the 16-year-old kid. Mark, how much is this comedy tutorial going to do? Four dollars slice of pizza. Fosdark <laughs> is this amazing artist. He okay. listens to podcasts. Oh, you got your ugly cat in there as well. Oh, that's enough. Don't be like that. I had 
the time of my life, and I owe it all to you. Face with a tidal wave of love and support. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like I should throw in positive just so I <laughs> came across as fair and even. I bet, yeah, if you met her, she'd, you'd probably get along great. Yeah, she's fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen her? She's hideous. So, C-3PO. Did he used to be a man? Like, was he always a robot? <laughs> <laughs> He's dodging a skill set required for whole line. Well, he specifically minted. Minted. Oh, I'm struggling. Not enough internet videos of catfish. Try drowning one of them. Impossible. Almost. Mm. You can do it. You can drown fish. You grab them out of the tail and you drag them back. Oh, shit. Yeah, because the, when the water can't flow through the gills. Oh. So they, or if you take them out of the water, they drown. Just a little window into a, a dark childhood. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was a thing. Instead of playing catch with my dad, we would, we would drown fish by dragging them back. Because <laughs> I let go over winter. You look oh. like Jabba the Hutt. Um, you don't so, so you fit in perfectly in this, uh, <laughs> this I know, Star Wars theme. I know, you have themed. so much Star Wars stuff. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. My idiot friends who are also Bogan's going, so if you look up Bogan in the Oxford, Dictionary, are you in it? <laughs> <laughs> Almost. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes the Green Guy letters are unkind. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes they're quite happy to single folks out, you know? And, and, I, and I, co- I, copped a, I copped a little bit of abuse, which, which I think, in retrospect, was fair enough. I Love Green Guide Letters, the pod- 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 podcast where we talk about the less I Love Green Guide Letters, the podcast where we talk about the ages I Love Green Guide Letters, television and radio without the Green Guide. I am Steel Saunders, and I do love Green Guide Letters. I didn't think what I was going to do for eight minutes. Uh, (laughs) Awkward. Technically, I got the name right. Somebody got conned.